You're listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Following two best buds and former college roommates on their journey to master the stock market and the art of being a dad. So pull up your cargo shorts, put on your grass-stained New Balances, and let's throw some stocks on the grill. Here are your hosts, DJ Brown and Mike Sabala. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stocks and Sandals podcast. This is your host, Mike Sabala, and I am joined by David Brown. How you doing, man? I've, I'm seeing you a lot this week. I know. I don't like it. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't like it either. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. Uh, I don't like that you called me David. Um, it's usually only what my mom calls me when I'm in trouble, but um, you know, it's, it's all good. Uh, no, I'm super excited today. Uh, we've got a um, pretty cool guest uh, with us today. We've got um, the intelligent investor with us today. So if, you, uh, if you're an Instagram fan and um, you know, have followed any investor pages or anything like that. You've undoubtedly probably come across his stuff. I'm a big fan of his page and his content and super excited to have him on today to talk about, you know, the future and kind of talk about different sectors and things of that nature that, uh, that he believes are going to be awesome and some that maybe he doesn't think are going to be so good. Dude, say the name of the episode because I think the, the title is really, really good. Oh yeah, you like what I came up with? I okay, do. So I it's, do. It's future sector, future sectors, studs and duds. That, <laughs> yeah, that's the, the title of the episode. Um, your your t- the titles usually aren't super compelling to me, but that one I really like. Good. So good that's, job. That, that's all that matters. Thank <laughs> you. I had to do a big for our boy, uh, the intelligent investor here. So uh, yes, without further ado. Buddy, go ahead and just introduce yourself and uh, tell the people where they can find you and, and uh, you know, maybe a little bit of your backstory. Yeah. So I started investing, say, five or six years ago because I saw my brother had some multi-baggers on Facebook and Netflix. And I was like, why is my money just sitting in a bank account when I could just do that stuff? So I got a little jealous. So I started with simple stuff like Microsoft, Netflix, PayPal. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just got some famous companies. And I guess that was a pretty good strategy that worked. But yeah, I've sort of learned how to value companies, how to make better investment decisions from there. And I run the Intelligent Investor on Instagram, have 106,000 followers now, and I also run Market Talks on YouTube, so you can find me there. Awesome, man. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of your content that you put out on your Instagram. So if you haven't already, follow him. Uh, I believe it's the underscore intelligent period investor, I believe is the the handle that if you want to look it up, you could just search the intelligent investor and he'll be the first one to pop up. But um, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, um, so we're going to be talking, like we said about sectors and you know how there are for our listeners, especially our newer listeners, um, you know, sectors are just different areas of the market that, uh, you know, kind of are focused in different areas of, um, you know, companies and stuff like that you see that do certain things. Uh, and kind of clustered together. And usually those sectors kind of move up and down, you know, somewhat together. Um, and, you know, as the future is upon us, there's going to be a, uh, a whole new, you know, uh, set of sectors that is going to be thriving and then ones that are going to be uh, struggling a little bit. So, you know, we thought maybe we'd bring in uh, our boy, the intelligent investor today to uh, talk about which ones are his favorite leading into the future. And then We'll kind of go into that. So yeah, I mean, just kind of dive in. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on uh, 
I guess let's start with what's your favorite sector? If you had to pick one sector for like the next five, 10, 15 years or whatever, what, what's your favorite one right now? I think it has to be InsureTech right now. You know, companies like Metro Mile, Lemonade, Clover Health, Oscar, those ones, uh, because there hasn't been any innovation for like 100 years in there. And these old companies have software systems from the 80s with the engineers who made them. They're dead right now. So these new companies have a competitive advantage in that they don't have this bureaucracy and they can adapt and use better data and software since they're being made now rather than 40 years ago. They have the modern infrastructure for a modern insurance company. So can you kind of talk a little bit just like how sector rotation works? Like, is there like a cyclical pattern to it or is it just kind of random? Like which ones are doing well and which ones aren't doing well, like at any given time? Like, can you talk a little bit about just how that works? Yeah. So some sectors like the tech sector, for example, as we saw this year during COVID, the whole economy came to a halt down, but we saw Microsoft, Amazon, Apple, they're all posting record quarters. So tech companies usually aren't cyclical. They do well regardless. 2020 was a great proof of that. For example, the airlines, they're a cyclical one because people don't travel as much when we're in a recession, when they're getting laid off. So the airline sector is usually a cyclical one. At the end of a bull market or an economic expansion, usually their demand starts to weaken and they're not something to invest in. And that's also the case with oil companies. Like at the end of a bull market, you know, let's say we've been in one for five, six years, you probably don't want to be investing in cyclical ones because you know their time comes. About once every 10 years, there's a market crash and recession. So you don't want to be investing in a cyclical stock halfway through the cycle. So how do you go about determining, you know, like that, that rotation and stuff? Like how do you, uh, I mean, aside from just like Googling it and stuff, like which is where I would start, like what do you, I mean, how do you analyze like what sectors are doing what and when they're going to be rotating? And like, I guess, you know, is it just like, straight up the economy and like things you're hearing in the news? Like what's your approach with that? Well, that's a good question, but I don't really have a good answer. I try not to invest in the cyclical stuff. I just invest in stuff that will be good regardless, that companies that will grow regardless of the economic condition. Because I feel like if you aim for that, doing a company that does well, no matter what happens in the world, then you're probably going to be making a better investment because there's not like anything that could throw the company off track. You're always going to be set no matter what happens. Gotcha. What would you say? I mean, do you have like a, a recession proof sector that you like that's your go to? I mean, I know you talked about like the the uh, insurance, the insure tech sector kind of going up and, you know, stuff like that. But like, is there like almost like your safety net, like your hedge, like this sector is just always safe? You know what I mean? Like it, you can't touch it. Not really. I don't really focus on preparing my portfolio for a recession because since 1982, 90% of the time we've been in a bull market. So I frankly don't think it's worth putting any time or effort into preparing for that 10% of the time. So I don't have any of those safety nets, you know, stuff like utilities or gold that people might use. I just don't think it's worth it given that the bear markets are so rare. I just focus on the bigger picture rather than the 10% of the time. So what kind of strategies do you use then? Or like, or what are strategies you can implement, like taking into account sector rotation? I think you can implement maybe trimming some of your positions. So the banks are a cyclical one as well. So let's say you see you have a bank stock and you see it's trading maybe 1.5 times book value, but historically trades around only one times book value. So then you might see, oh, it's a little overvalued. We've been in the bull market for seven years. Maybe it's time to trim a little bit of this, put half in cash, and then maybe put half in a non-cyclical 
sector like tech. So I wouldn't say purely focus on the cyclical side of things. Maybe if something is cyclical and overvalued, then trim a little bit, but that's my advice. So other than uh, you mentioned tech being a non-cyclical sector, what are some other sectors that are non-cyclical like you had mentioned? Like just give us some examples, like your top three or four you know, non-cyclical sectors? I think the ones that people need, like food stocks, for example, Pepsi, Costco, or major retailers such as Walmart or Target. I really like those stocks because they're always going to have demand no matter what happens. People need to get food. People need to go shopping for necessities. Yeah. I mean, you see like what happened with uh, COVID and, you know, everything crashed and Costco shot through the roof, you know what I mean? So that's a I can see how that's kind of, you know what you mean, where it's like, no matter what's going on, like people are going to need to get their, you know, 85 rolls of toilet paper at one time. You know what I mean? (laughs) All right. So let's get into some of your favorite sectors and some of your least favorite sectors. So you already mentioned the insure tech uh, sector and and some of your favorite stocks in that one. Give me some other ones that that you think are going to do really well in the future. I think fintech is a good one as well. Cloud computing, e-commerce. And I think virtual reality is also really uh, one that I really like as well. I don't think people are giving that one enough attention. And I guess video games as a as a whole and video games in general. I like that sector. So what do you like what do you like about those sectors? Like what makes you think that they're going to thrive so much in the future? So I'll start with fintech. Naturally consumers go to the most convenient, the easiest thing, and the most convenient thing is doing banking, financial stuff on your phone with a nice UI. We saw that Robinhood wasn't the best platform for trading, but the reason it was so successful is the UI. It was user-friendly. So we're seeing that it's not always about the product, but it's more about the execution and having what the consumers like. So I think that's why these fintech companies are going to win because they have the designers, they have the tech background to implement these ideas to have a, both have a better product and have a better interface that's easier to use for these people. And these new fintech stocks are built on technology. They were built as a tech company, but these banking stocks were built as a bank, a physical location, but now they're going into tech, so they're not on their home turf, so I don't think they'll be able to compete as well. So I think these new startups like SoFi, Square, I think that's why they're so successful. They're attracting the top talent of Silicon Valley versus the banks who are getting out of their comfort comfort zone per se. And then for virtual reality, I think that one has a lot of potential because it could be the next social media, for example, because for social media, you look at your phone, but for virtual reality, you could maybe hop into a server, put on your little goggles and see all your friends everywhere. It could be something like Grand Theft Auto and virtual reality, and that could be the new form of social media, something like that. And I think virtual reality is very underdeveloped, so it's going to be pretty far into the future, but that's something I'm very bullish on. And what were the other ones I said? Uh, video games was a, another big one, uh, which kind of goes along with the virtual reality. And then the, uh, uh, what was the other one you mentioned? Um, I think those are the main ones that you mentioned with the the insure tech too. So Yeah. So uh, for video games, I noticed that in general, the price to earnings ratio of a lot of the video game stocks is about half, the, half that of the typical software as a service company. But I think that gap can bridge because as we're seeing with more and more games like Fortnite, that it's not just you buy the game and that's it. You get the game and then you keep paying them money for these new skins, new maps, new additions, cosmetic features. So it's not just, oh, you buy the game and that's it. Now these games are implementing to in-game purchases. So I think we could see the price earnings ratio of these companies maybe double to match that of a software as a service company, because I think they're still being valued as they were in the past, 
even though the whole video game economic side of selling them in-game purchases has evolved since they were previously valued at a low price earnings ratio. Yeah, that's interesting because I I I'm a bit of a nerd. I play a lot of video games when I can. And it's weird because I mean, some game like I mean Fortnite, like there's a paid version, but you can play it for free. And there's also the culture around gaming is that, you know, all the pay to win type stuff is really unpopular. And it seems like some of those games don't do as well just because of the like culture of the company. But it is interesting to think about it and look at it from like a how the fundamentals are calculated because of just how they're monetizing differently. So I guess on the flip side of that, what are some sectors that you don't like really like or see a big future for? You think they're kind of on the decline? So one I don't like at all is the airlines. I wasn't a really huge fan before the pandemic because they had low margins, uh, slow growth. But the pandemic basically showed everyone that you could do business travel through Zoom. You can just have Zoom meetings. You don't need to actually go to a place. And business travel accounts for about 75% of airline profit because they're the ones on the first class getting charged the huge ticket prices. So without the business travel, I think they're completely screwed. And I don't like the airlines because of that. I don't, I don't think they'll be able to get the profits that they used to have, at least for maybe like five years till business travel comes back, if it comes back. And I also just don't like oil because we're seeing a lot of transformation to clean energy. And especially with Biden in office, that's not good for oil stocks because he's big on the renewables and stuff like that, the electric vehicles. So I'm not hugely bullish on those two industries. Um, so I have a few sectors that that I like for the future, and I kind of wanted to get your input on them. So one of them, you know, would be kind of already mentioned, kind of the anti-oil would be the alternative energy sector. What, is, what are your thoughts on the alternative energy sector? Like, you know, you're talking Enphase and, you know, Solar Edge and stuff like that. Yeah, so I like that sector. I was looking at uh, some companies there, but Usually with most of the ones I looked at, I saw a red flag or it was either overvalued. I like the ICLN ETF, which just has a bunch of those stocks because I think it's relatively early into the sector. I think just getting all the stocks with an ETF would be good for there. Yeah, another good uh, ETF for that one for our listeners is TAN, in my opinion. Um, I think that's another one that's uh, big with our one of our uh, stock dads play callers for sure too. So, um, all right. And then what about, uh, what are your thoughts on like cybersecurity? Actually cybersecurity, I'm very bullish on because they have a 0% unemployment rate in that industry. So it shows that people are in demand for that sector. And as we saw with the, I think it was a recent Russia hack, we saw that it's super important that we stay protected and we're going to keep needing these companies. More companies are going to spend more and more every year to keep their data protected, keep their information protected because the cost of a data breach is getting more and more expensive every year. So they're going to keep spending more and more and it's going to go to these cyber companies. So I really like that sector as a whole. Yeah. Um, just again, for some of our listeners, again, none of these are is formal advice, but just so you guys can kind of look into some of these yourself. But um, I really like Cloudfare, CrowdStrike Holdings is a good one, FireEye, and then like the, the ETF for that one um, that I really like is Hack. H-A-C-K. So that's another, you know, good sector, I think, for the future as well. All right. What, did, what about uh, the big one that's in the in the news probably the most right now? EVs, electrical vehicles. What are your thoughts on that? 
I think it'll be relevant, but those stocks are so pumped up. I just avoid all of them. Throw electric onto anything and it goes up two, three hundred percent. It's crazy. I'm bullish on the sector, but not on the stocks. The stocks are just filled with too much hope, too much hype behind them. Yeah. So I mean, what are your your thoughts on kind of how that's gonna play out? You think that's like a bubble that'll eventually pop and then kind of that sector will slowly grow? you know, at a more reasonable rate down the road? I'm not sure if it'll pop or if the returns from that sector will just stagnate. So they just won't move over the next few years. So I'm not sure if it'll come down to their fair value or the fair value will come up to the current price. But I don't think it's good from a risk reward standpoint to be buying them here. Yeah. Another really good one that I like, uh, I want to get your thoughts on, sorry, I'm taking over here, Mike. I I just had a few questions that I wanted to ask on these sectors is uh, like AI and robotics. So artificial intelligence and robotics, it kind of, to me, aligns and coordinates well with, you know, virtual reality and some of those other types of you know, technologies. What are your thoughts on AI and robotics? I like both of those as a sectors a lot. I think that the companies with the most data in the future are be the ones that are going to win. And we're already seeing that now because the big tech companies all use a ton of data. And that's how they became so successful. For robotics, I think there's a lot of potential there too, because there's a lot of repetitive tasks per se, such as maybe with warehouse workers with Amazon. Amazon can, you know, become a lot more cost efficient by getting robots in the future. So I think those are both sectors that are going to be very good in the future. This is a, this is kind of off topic, but do you think that Jeff Bezos stepping down from Amazon is going to have a big impact on the stock price? I think in the short term it will, but I don't think in the long term it will. I think that Andy Jassy has done a great job with AWS, obviously. And I think he's very similar to Jeff Bezos. He's very rational, but he's also ruthless with his stuff. So they're both very competitive people. And I think they're essentially the same. And Jeff Bezos is also going to be the chairman of the board, which is essentially the CEO's boss. So I'll keep him in check. (laughs) He actually got a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I I think Amazon is still going to be Amazon, you know, with or without Bezos. I think it was just kind of a shock more than anything. You know, it was like, yeah. a, you know, Michael Jordan going out in his prime. Get it? In his prime. You stole that. I you did stole steal that. It. I did steal nice. it. Yeah. I did steal it, but it was worth it. Worth stealing. He you. went out in his prime. Hey, it was, yeah, I mean, it is pretty good. That is pretty good. It was funny. And so somebody commented on that on uh, my Facebook post in our Facebook group, and I totally didn't even get it. I just really? went right over my head. I didn't get it. Yeah, no, it went right over my head when he said it. But yeah, oh I thought that was funny. Gosh. Bezos going out in his prime. Dad joke. Can't be, can't be that. Um, anyways, back to AI and robotics since Mike so rudely changed the subject. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, some of my uh, my favorite tickers for, for that sector are Alphabet, uh, NVIDIA, and surprisingly enough, I really like John Deere in that sector, which is weird. And everybody hears John Deere in the AI and robotics sector, and they think, what the heck are you talking about? But (laughs) they're actually working on robotic uh, tractors or like AI tractors that are self-driving and like will, you know, go and plow the fields for you and like spray the, the pesticides at the perfect rates and all that kind of stuff. And I think that the farming industry as a whole, like if that becomes a thing, could be pretty monstrous for, for them to be the first leaders in that thing so i don't know just uh you're so innovative dj i'm not the first person to to think that john deere would be a good good uh ai and robotics you know buy but i think it's pretty cool and when i was researching it i was like that's pretty exciting to, to think about um 
All right. And then the last one that I wanted to, to ask about specifically on your thoughts um, are like rare earth materials. I mean, like all the stuff that you need to do all of these alternative energy and electrical vehicles and like all the, you know, companies that need that type of rare earth materials and stuff. So like MP materials, Linus is one of them, Texas mineral resources. What are your, what are your thoughts on that uh, industry as a whole? I'm not too familiar with it. It's outside of my circle of competence, so I don't really get too much into it. But from my general understanding of miners, it can be pretty, I guess, unpredictable because if they can't find a mine, then they might have weak financial results for some period of time. So I'd rather want some consistency with my stocks. But That's fair. Yeah, it's just too far outside my circle of competence. That's fair. So I just avoid that sector in general. I think that's actually really important uh, for our listeners. Like, I mean, you're the intelligent investor, right? And there's still like a circle of like things that you, you know, are comfortable with and that you understand and, and you don't have to know everything and you don't have to be comfortable with everything. And if you aren't, then you probably shouldn't be, you know, necessarily investing in it. You know what I mean? Like maybe trading, you don't have to be as familiar with a company and what they're doing and stuff because you're just watching charts and, and understanding like the technicals and support and resistance, all that stuff. But if you're going to invest in something, you don't have to understand it completely, you know, because if the fundamentals are there, the fundamentals fundamentals are there. I know Warren Buffett says like, I don't understand every company I invest in, but I do think that it's important, you know, for sure to, to, to go with what you're comfortable with. There's plenty of stocks in all of the industries that you're comfortable with, you know, that you can more confidently invest in. I think that's fair to say. What are your thoughts on that as a, as a whole, as a philosophy? I think it's very important because too often we see people just get into these hype stocks. They don't even know what they do. They see it goes up, you know, like 50%. They're like, oh, I must get this stock. I think it's going to go up another 50%. And then when the stock goes down 25%, they don't know why they bought it in the first place. So they might panic sell. Mm -hmm. They don't have a real reason or they don't have any conviction with their holdings. So if you don't know you invest in, you won't have conviction. And when you don't have conviction, if a stock goes down 10%, you might get worried, panic sell, even though it might not be the right decision at the moment. Mm -hmm. How do you manage like your portfolio? I mean, I'm sure it's it's a very complicated question, but like, you know, do you do a lot of dollar cost averaging? Do you mind explaining to our listeners briefly kind of what dollar cost averaging is? And like, is that like one of your main strategies or do you only do that when you're kind of regretting getting into something or maybe got in at the wrong time? Like what's your strategy for entering and exiting positions when you're a long-term investor like this? Yeah. So I'll start off by saying, explaining what dollar cost averaging is. So dollar cost averaging is when let's say you have a thousand dollars you want to invest, but you split it up over 10 weeks. So on week one, you invest a hundred, week two, you invest a hundred, week three, you invest a hundred and so on and so on until week 10, where you spend the whole $1,000. So the reason you do this is so that you don't buy at the exact high or an expensive price. So you get coverage at all the prices. So you don't buy at the exact top if you just put it all in at once. And then as for how I you know, like manage my portfolio, I would say I just read a lot of Seeking Alpha articles or Molly Fool stuff. And then if I see something good, I'll put on my watch list, maybe do some research. And if I like it, I'll see what's a good price for it. And if it's there, I'll usually go in with a big position, but if it's overvalued in a great company, I might start a dollar cost averaging into it because if a company's undervalued, I'll go really big into it. But if not, 
and it's a great company, I'll just do dollar cost averaging. Got it. So, I mean, is everything that you buy, like your design holding, like, you know, indefinitely, like what's planned to take prices at certain targets? Or are you just, you know, thinking that these stocks are just going to go up forever and you're just going to ride the waves and, you know, see where you end up? Like, what's your strategy for exiting a stock and kind of maybe reallocating those funds somewhere else? Yeah, I would say the main thing that I do is I focus on opportunity cost when I sell. I don't necessarily sell when something is maybe overvalued. I'll sell if I want to reallocate. So an example is Ally Bank. I actually sold a third of my, no, uh, three quarters of my position at around $41 two weeks ago to get SoFi. The SPAC is under the symbol IPOE. So I like Ally Bank, but I just saw a big opportunity cost because I saw that SoFi was doing everything Ally was, just better. And I figured, why not just go with the better opportunity? And Ally Bank was had a price to book value of over one, which is overvalued according to history. It hasn't been that high in five years. So I figured it's overvalued and there's a big opportunity cost. So why not just reallocate? Sure. So when you, uh, like, uh, are you pretty much strictly a fundamental trader like you just base everything off of fundamental analysis or do you do any sort of technical analysis as far as like again when deciding to enter and exit or i guess I mean, you kind of mentioned like you just opportunity cost or whatever but i guess is there anything that has to change in a company's fundamentals or something that will trigger you to be like all right i'm out you know i'm selling I'm not going to ride whatever wave is about to happen because of this like if Elon Musk decided that he was just going to quit and go move to Tahiti which I could see him be doing something super weird and random like that. Cause it's just the kind of guy he is. But like if he left, I think it would be a lot more detrimental to Tesla than Bezos leaving Amazon. You know what I mean? So like, like, is there stuff that you look for or does something have to change fundamentally um, for you to be like, all right, I'm done. I'm out of this stock. Like this is as far as I can see it going. Yeah. So usually I invest in companies that have like good financials. So if I see deteriorating financials, maybe revenues decreasing, that's a big red flag, or they're taking on a ton of debt, they're not paying it back well, or maybe the management is not focusing on the right things, they're not really focused on the customer experience and making the best product. That'll make me rethink my decision, but usually that stuff doesn't have happen too often, so I haven't really had to get any experience with that. And uh, I guess, I, I mean, I, I want to kind of wrap it up here because we still need to save some time for the Q&A session after this, but... Mike, before I ask, because this last one's kind of just more of a fun question, do you have any anything else to jump in on that's a little more serious or no? Um, no, I don't think so. Okay. So who would you say is your, like, who do you um, look up to the most or what investor would you compare yourself with the most as far as that's my style of investing? Who do you think, uh, who stands out to you? Chamath Palahapatia, the uh, founder of Social Capital. He was uh, early executive at Facebook. I think I really like because I think he knows what he's doing because he has a lot of experience from Facebook. He helped take it to a huge brand that is now. He helped expand and monetize it so it could grow. I think he has a lot of firsthand experience and he knows what it takes for these companies to win. And I like a lot of the SPACs he's forming, a lot of the companies he's taking public. And I also like his approach because his approach is focused on long-term profits, not focusing on the short-term profits. He wants companies to invest a lot in R&D so that the long run stock prices maximize, not just a short run. So I like his investing approach a lot. He's been uh, pretty big in the news lately too, uh, <laughs> along with uh, you know Elon and the whole Wall Street bets thing. Well, while I got you, I mean, I guess 
this hot topic right now. What are your uh, what are your thoughts on that whole situation and the whole GameStop and the AMC BlackBerry all that kind of stuff? What are your thoughts being a an investor with an investor mindset and this being the polar opposite of uh, investing have did you dabble in it at all or are you just like nope i'm staying as far away as that from that as possible no i knew it was a pump and dump right away because if you people are saying diamond hands they're saying hold the line what they were really saying was hold the bag <laughs> they were just marketing it a little better yeah yeah it's a it's a very it was a very dangerous situation for uh for a while there still is because there's still plenty of people that are just being stubborn at this point um mm-hmm. But I think or maybe not stubborn, but maybe a, a lack of awareness of what's going on and, and how it's going to end up for them. So, um, but yeah, that's interesting. So, all right, man. Well, uh, let's uh, jump into the dad portion of the, of the show. Um, you know, we always got to have a little bit of fun. We can't always talk about the, the serious stuff, you know, or else people would fall asleep and not listen to us anymore. So do you have a joke for us, Mr. Intelligent Investor? I actually have, I actually have a very good joke. Let me say now. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear what you got. This better be good. It, do, you, you just, it you doesn't just have it up. to this be. Is, it doesn't be... have to be good. DJ's jokes are like never good. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I've had one good joke in the history yeah. of this show. That's about it. So, all right, go for it. What do you got? Okay. So a woman goes to Walmart to buy turkey for her family and she notices that none of them are big enough. So she goes to the attendant and she asks, sir, do these turkeys get any bigger? To which he replies, ma'am, they're dead. <laughs> Dude, that's exactly DJ's yes. kind of joke. <laughs> uh, that is my kind of joke right there. Um, I love it. That's awesome. Right. That's really funny. Good job. Well, Good well job. I'll I'm go impressed. next because because your joke is probably also a dark humor <laughs> anti-joke. Probably. <laughs> so I'll, I'll split. I'll break it up a little bit. All right. Um, Okay, so how does the moon cut its hair? Mm, I don't know. Eclipse it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's, that's all right. That's okay. It, I know. No, it's, it's not. Was, I, was, I understand. It's fine. Okay. It's decent. <laughs> I blame the, um, there's like a Facebook group for like dad jokes. And I blame that whole group. <laughs> the entire group. <laughs> because they're, yeah. Because they're where I get all my jokes. Now. That's, that's all right. It's, it's okay. Uh, the turkey joke is better for sure, but that's all right. Yeah, um, okay. So let's, uh, all right. Let's see here. Okay. So have you guys heard the joke about the woman? with uh 12 nipples no no <laughs> sounds funny doesn't it <laughs> that's pretty good thank you thank you thank you i had to wait for you uh, know like uh the right moment to use that one because it's a, it's pg-13 yeah. so i've i've got a a somewhat risky joke that i i've been keeping in my back pocket too i wasn't sure right. if if this Say was it. the time Let's, or not. Now, now was the time. Right. Now's the time. So it's I, I got that right. vibe from you, you know, Mr. Investor Man. <laughs> I just got the vibe that I could be just a little risque with you, you know? That's just how I felt. <laughs> no risk. So I'm no glad you <laughs> there you go. That's the investor mindset right there. That's a trader's yeah. mindset right there. All right. Anyway, go, ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Uh all right. So what did the O say to the Q? Uh I don't know. Your dick is out. Wait, wait, hold on. What? You have to look at how they're shaped, dude. How they're shaped. (laughs) I still don't get it. 
A Q is just an O with a like little, uh, little guy sticking out. Uh, 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 okay. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. That's that's pretty funny. I guess I'm a little ashamed of how much uh, visual visualization I needed. I'm a little yeah. ashamed of how much explanation it needed, but it was good. That was funny. That was funny. <laughs> All right. Um, well, go ahead and uh, tell the people where they can find you, um, and uh, you know, give yourself a 30 second pitch. You know, what do you want to tell the people? What do you want them to know about you? Yeah. So you could find my content. I post a lot of charts, interesting data, and the best stocks to buy on my Instagram uh, at the underscore the intelligent dot investor and also on my YouTube channel called Market Talks. So be sure to find me there. And if you ever have a question, just DM me on Instagram and I'll be happy to answer it. That's awesome. That's how I got in touch with them. I was just like, you know, I'm going to slide in those DMs and see if, uh, <laughs> see if it'll be a podcast guest, you know, right? Mike, you're used to sliding into DMs, aren't you? Uh, I, I've attempted it has not gone super well. So I stick to the formal, <laughs> you know, dating went well that, for me so. in this one situation, but I'm married, yeah. so I don't Shoot, slide in maybe, DMs anymore. Yeah. Maybe I'll slide. Maybe into, you should send me some material. Yeah, man. I'll just slide into the, to the ladies DMs for you. Not sure how Jenna would feel about that, but it, you know, it is what it is. So, all right, well, uh, let's get this wrapped up here. Cause we still got the live Q and a session, but thank you guys, obviously always for listening. Um, as of this episode, when it's released, uh, unless every one of our listeners falls off the face of the earth, we will eclipse our 20,000th download, um, which is super exciting for us after only 20 something episodes. Um, so it's going really, really well. Uh, we really appreciate the support. Um, please continue to download, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Shoot us a five star review. Um, if you're not already a part of the stock dads, Facebook group, uh, check us out there, follow us on Instagram at stock dads. Um, and we also uh, have the discord, both a free version, um, for you guys to jump in and get some sample information from the discord and also a premium version where you can jump in and, uh, you know, get some play calls alerts and a ton of education, um, with some professional traders. So, Lots of great value to be had. Um, we really appreciate having the intelligent investor on with us today. Thank you for all the knowledge. Thank you for the content that you share and the the knowledge and the wealth of information that you put out for free on your Instagram. Um, really valuable stuff and uh, like what you're doing. So thanks for coming on and maybe we'll have you back someday. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. I really appreciate it being on here. Thank you. Oh, thank you, man. Um, all right. Well, with that said, we're going to wrap it up and then we're going to uh, jump into our Q&A session, which uh, will be for our premium Discord subscribers. So, um, yeah, for the rest of you, we'll uh, catch you next time. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Stocks and Sandals, a podcast by Stock Dads for Stock Dads. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes and join our Stock Dads community on Facebook and Instagram. But most importantly, don't touch the thermostat.